I want us to understand today, Paul knew his calling. He knew that the Lord had called him to be an apostle, but not an apostle to the Jewish people, the Jewish people that he loved greatly and he would write quite a bit about. But he understood this Jewish man, a man of great learning of the law of the Jews, actually became an apostle to the Gentiles. He understood his calling. Paul knew for himself that it was God's will for his life to be an apostle to the Gentiles. Welcome to The Cleansing Word. We invite you to stay with us as Pastor John Pinnell of Calvary Chapel Lake Villa takes us through a verse-by-verse study from God's Word. Each Monday through Friday, we'll be airing messages to encourage you in your faith that you might grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I hope that you enjoy this broadcast, and I'll return at the close of this teaching to give you more information about our church and how you can obtain a copy of this message. Now here's Pastor John with today's message from God's Word. Alright, this year we're opening up a new study. Today beginning 1 Corinthians, looking at verses 1 through 17 of chapter 1. And as I said earlier that Here, Paul is addressing the Corinthians, and because of some issues that have been going on in their church, he actually received a letter from one of the church members sharing with Paul what was going on in the fellowship at that time, and it was a trusted report that caused him to write this letter back to the Corinthians. The Corinthians themselves In Romans time, when we get back to the day that Paul had ministered in their city, they were known for having wealth, luxury, and immorality. It was large in the city. But Jesus said of the Corinthians in Acts 18.10, I have many people in this city. And yet we learn from the word of God, in order for faith to come to the Corinthians, they needed to hear the preaching and the teaching of the word of God. In Acts 18.11, the Bible tells us that Paul continued there in Corinth. Paul continued there a year and six months teaching the word of God among them. And it's wonderful to note that Paul, Silas, Timothy, Luke, and the others who ministered with uh, Paul and the missionary team at that time, that they were able to continue a year and a half There in Corinth, teaching the word of God, preaching the word of God to the people, allowing this church to be built upon the firm foundation of God's word. But even though, as we read through the letter over the next several weeks, we discover that though they had been built upon the firm foundation of God's word, they had developed among themselves some shaky doctrine. It wasn't the foundation of God's word that was at fault. But the doctrine that they had developed 
within the fellowship itself. And so Paul writes this letter to bring a bit of correction. And I think we should be very thankful for the correction that he brings in the church. He speaks largely on probably uh, the work of the Holy Spirit in chapters 11 through 14. It's talking about the works of the Holy Spirit there, which is really, I think, uh, foundational for the church to have a uh, good understanding of these things. And so we're going to get into some pretty good things as we get into the epistle of 1 Corinthians today, looking here at chapter 1, verses 1 through 17. We're going to look at a, a chapter that I, for me, I entitled it, Knowing Your Calling. We find here Paul's introduction in verses 1 through 3, Paul's thankfulness, verses 4 through 9, and Paul's concern, verses 10 through 17. I'll go ahead and just read our first point, and that is Paul's introduction in verses 1 through 3. I'll open us in prayer. And the Word of God tells us, Paul called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God and Sosthenes, our brother, to the church of God, which is at Corinth, to those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints, with all who in every place call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, both theirs and ours, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So, Father, I just pray that you would be with me, Lord, as I stand before this people, your people, to present your word. Lord, I pray that you would be with my mouth. Help me, Lord, to speak the things that you would have for us to hear this morning, but also, Lord, be with my mind that I would be guided by your Holy Spirit. And I pray, Father, that you would be with us all, that as we hear the teaching of your word this morning and the reading of your word, Lord, that it would be just a blessing to our spirits, to our souls. We pray this day in the name of Jesus. Amen. So his introduction here in his letter to Corinth, he begins by just simply saying who's doing the writing, and it's Paul. And he introduced himself as an apostle of Jesus Christ. The word apostolos in the Greek, it means to be sent or sent out as an ambassador. Paul himself, an ambassador of Jesus Christ to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles and also to his Jewish brethren. Paul, along with the 12 apostles, had this calling upon their lives. And for us, as we look at the apostles, we view it also not only just presenting the gospel of Jesus Christ, but God using them in the first century church, giving them the authority to help establish the church and to oversee the church itself. And for several of the apostles, actually helping to write and pen the very words of God that we have today through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He was an apostle to the Gentiles. And in Romans eleven thirteen, he says, For I speak to you Gentiles inasmuch as I am an apostle to the Gentiles. Paul, I want us to understand today, Paul knew his calling. He knew that the Lord had called him to be an apostle, but not apostle to the Jewish people, and the Jewish people that he loved greatly and he would write quite a bit about, but he understood 
this Jewish man, a man of great learning of the law of the Jews, actually became an apostle to the Gentiles. He understood his calling, that the Lord had called him as an apostle. And his calling, he said, was by the will of God. And this Greek word for will, it refers to that will, what one wishes or has determined shall be done. Paul knew for himself that it was God's will for his life to be an apostle to the Gentiles. And he knew that this call of being an apostle was not a call that was by a man. It wasn't men who gave him the commission. In Galatians 1.1, he began a very similar. He said, Paul, an apostle. But then he said, not from men or through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. I was called an apostle, but it's not from men. It's not through a man, but this has come through Jesus Christ, through God the Father, who raised our Savior from the dead. He also mentions Sosthenes, tongue twister for me. He only appears here in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 1. His name also appears in Acts 18, 17. And I said his name, but it may not be the same name. Just like today there, you know, I'm not the only person named John on the face of this earth. It could have been another Sosthenes that was being spoken of in Acts 18. That particular Sosthenes, I'm going to struggle on that one. He actually became the ruler of the synagogue after the ruler of the synagogue, Crispus, came to faith in Jesus Christ. Obviously, he Uh, came to faith in Jesus Christ, so he was done with the synagogue worship. Maybe he didn't feel that he should be done. He wanted to introduce his fellow Jews to Jesus Christ. But we read of a new ruler of the synagogue that when a lawsuit was filed back in the book of Acts chapter 18, a lawsuit came against Paul. The unbelieving Jews became so frustrated when nothing came of that lawsuit that they took the ruler of their synagogue, they took Sosthenes in the sight of the judge, and they beat him there, and the judge himself acting as if nothing was going on. But we cannot be sure if these are the two of the same names here from 1 Corinthians 1.1 is the same Sosthenes of Acts 18, verse 17. It would be cool if he was, but we can't be sure about that. The recipients of the letter. I'm going to move on from that difficult name for me. To the church of God at Corinth, those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints, with all who in every place call upon the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, both theirs and ours. Those who are sanctified it is a Greek word that means to be made holy or purified or consecrated. They've been sanctified, and it's used in the New Testament concerning the separation of believers from the evil that's in this world and the ways of this world today. We have been sanctified by God. It is the will of God to sanctify his church. It is his purpose calling us through the gospel itself. And we have to learn it through the teaching of God's word. But we have to also pursue the sanctification that the Lord has given to us, that we have been set apart. We have been sanctified. We have been called saints. 
Now, I noticed as I was reading this earlier from my Bible, I've had this Bible since, I believe, 1993, that I actually crossed out the to be in verse 2 in my Bible. The reason I crossed it out, because the to be has been inserted by the translators to help us understand the Greek translation into the English a little better. But the words to be is not in the Greek. It simply says, They were called saints. And I think to me, and probably years ago when I crossed that out, I think sometimes we get the attitude of that we have been called to be saints. It's something we aspire to. We're going to get there one day. But I think biblically, if we look in the New Testament, that as believers in Jesus Christ, we are called saints. That positionally, that's how God sees us. Yes, we're called to be saints. We're called to live in a way that represents Christ and the work he's doing in our lives. But from the heavenly perspective, the Lord sees us as saints. It's not something that we're working toward, the sainthood that we're working toward. It's actually a word that means to be, to be a saint, to be morally blameless or ceremonially clean. And it's the blood of Jesus Christ that brings us into that place that we have been cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ. It's his work upon our lives. Although Paul addressed his letter to the church there in Corinth, he extended the reach of that. He said in verse 2, those at the church of God, which is at Corinth. But at the end of that, he said, with all who in every place call upon the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, both theirs and ours, with all in every place, whether you're in Corinth or in Lake Villa, Illinois, This letter is to us today. And then he gave the blessing that he always gave in his epistles. Grace to you and peace from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. It was a typical blessing that Paul used in all 13 of his epistles. He did in the letters to Timothy and to Titus. He did insert the word mercy between grace and peace. But he always, in all... 13 of his epistles said grace and peace, grace and peace, grace to you and peace from God, our father, the Lord Jesus Christ. In Romans five verses one and two, he speaks about grace and peace there again. He says, therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom Also, we have access by faith into his grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. It's because of the work of Jesus Christ that we have peace with God that gives us access into this grace in which we stand. God's grace and peace comes as a result of the work of Jesus Christ. As I put in your notes there, The acronym connected with grace itself, God's riches at Christ's expense. And he goes on to thank uh, the Lord, to share that thankfulness with the church there in verses 4 through 9. I'll read the context for us. He says, I thank my God always concerning you for the grace of God, which was given you by Christ Jesus, that you were enriched in everything by him in all utterance and all knowledge, even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you, so that you should come 
short in no gift, eagerly waiting for the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will also confirm you to the end that you may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. His thankfulness, he begins by saying that you have been enriched by Christ. He said, I thank God always concerning you for the grace which God has given you by Christ Jesus, that you have been enriched in everything by him in all utterance and all knowledge. After giving the Corinthians a, a blessing of grace, he reminds them first of the grace of God that they had already received as they responded to the gospel of Jesus Christ. He said, I thank my God always concerning you for the grace of God, which was given you by Christ Jesus. He gave them a blessing of grace, grace and peace be with you. And then he reminded them, God's grace has already been with you. God's grace is already upon you. And I believe it's good for us to rehearse the blessings that Jesus had already bestowed upon us. It not only reminds us of past blessings, but I think it also encourages us for the current circumstances that we find ourselves in life itself. They had received God's grace. They had been enriched by him in all utterance and all knowledge. Now, I like to look up Greek words to see what they're translating the words from. And I was surprised that the word utterance here is actually a word that's very familiar to us. It's logos, familiar to us, our radio station, WLGS, based off that LGS there. But the word itself, we know that in the beginning was the word, the word was with God and the word was God. And so the utterance, it speaks about the teachings of faith that came by the spoken word in the early church. The New Testament was at this point being written. We're reading one of the letters that was being written by Paul at this time. And the word of God that came to the people, it came through the Logos, through the teaching of the spoken word to the people. But he also said the gnosis, the knowledge that had come to them or that seeking to know. And it was through the preaching and the teaching of God's word that brought about the knowledge of the salvation of God that comes through faith in Jesus Christ. And it came upon the Corinthian believers, and the same is true for us today. When it came upon the Corinthian believers, we read about that in Acts 18, verses 5 through 11. It tells us, When Silas and Timothy had come from Macedonia, Paul was compelled by the Spirit and testified to the Jews that Jesus is the Christ. But when they opposed him and blasphemed, he shook his garments and said to them, Your blood be upon your own heads. I am clean. From now on, I will go to the Gentiles. And he departed from there and entered the house of a certain man named Justice, one who worshiped God, whose house was next door to the synagogue. Then Crispus, the ruler of the synagogue, believed on the Lord with all of his household. And many of the Corinthians, hearing, believed and were baptized. Now the Lord spoke to Paul in the night by a vision and said, Do not be afraid, but speak and do not keep silent, for I am with you and no one will attack you to hurt you. 
for I have many people in this city. And he continued there for a year and six months, teaching the word of God among them. Now, this was Paul's second missionary journey. And we discovered that he had up to this point been either run out, kicked out, beaten uh, in the cities that he had previously taught at. He had just came from Athens. And although they didn't arrest him or beat him, he had presented just a tremendous teaching of the word of God, uh, showing Paul's great intellect that he had. But only a few people came to faith. And so he would later on in 1 Corinthians say that when I came to you, I came in weakness and much trembling. And it was when Timothy and Silas came that he was compelled by the Spirit to preach Jesus among them. And God encouraged him and said, don't worry, nobody's going to attack you here. I have many people in this city. And he was able to teach them for a year and a half. He also was thankful for their eagerness in verses 7 and 8, so that you come short of no gift, eagerly waiting for the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will also confirm you to the end that you may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. Here he begins to, right at the beginning of his letter to refer to the spiritual gifts that had come upon the church itself. May I say that it was through the teaching of the word of God and the knowledge that came to them, the logos and the um, gnosis, that utterance and knowledge that he had previously mentioned. It brought about the understanding of the spiritual gifts that came to the believers. In fact, Paul declared that they came short of no spiritual gift. They were truly a blessed church. James reminds us in James 1.17 that every good gift and perfect gift is from above. It comes from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation, no shadow of turning. And although the Corinthians, they abuse these gifts, the church today, I believe, should be thankful for the teaching of Paul as found in, in 1 Corinthians 12-14 through 14, as he gives us a really a, a good teaching that we can look forward to looking at concerning the spiritual gifts later on this year as we go through this book. But they were eagerly waiting also for the revelation of Jesus Christ. It speaks about the second coming of Christ and the coming millennial reign of Christ itself. They were waiting for the revelation. And we might use the word. I'm looking at a Greek word here that I probably know how to say, but it's not going to work today. It was the unveiling. It's a word that means to take off, to undercover, uncover, like a statue that has a cover over it and everybody gathers around to see what's going to take place. This is the unveiling. They were waiting for the uncovering, the revelation of Jesus Christ. We get a little bit of that in Revelation 1.1, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave to him to show his servants things that shortly must take place. There's a little bit of that unveiling to us in the book of Revelation. We get a glimpse of Jesus, but we're not seeing Jesus face to face. As Paul will remind us in 1 Corinthians 13, 12, today we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. There's not only the unveiling, but also the confirmation that came 
that they've been confirmed and called blameless, that they've been confirmed something that is certain. They've been called blameless. So this Greek word referred to as blameless in our text refers to not only merely being unaccusable, but they are unaccused. They are free from any legal charge. It's how the Lord looks at us with the blood of Jesus Christ being that covering. We stand before the Lord unaccused. Although our lives are stained with sin, one day the Lord Jesus Christ reveals himself. He confirms to us that we are his. And then that day we stand unaccused before the Lord. But that's how we stand today spiritually before the Lord. We stand unaccused. May it be so that you would help us, Lord, to come to that place of unity where we would come together, Lord, to work together as the body of Christ. Help us, Lord, to have thankful hearts and help us, Lord, to understand the call you have placed upon us. And Lord, if there are those who are questioning that call, let them today seek your face and help them to bring answers to their lives. Lord, I pray that your spirit would work among us this day. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Calvary Chapel is a fellowship of believers in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Our greatest desire is to know Christ and to be conformed into his image by the power of his Holy Spirit. If you would like more information about Calvary Chapel, or if you would like a copy of today's message, please contact us at 847-265-0646. That's 847-265-0646. Thank you so much for joining us today, and may the Lord richly bless you as you worship him today.